0: So, welcome everyone to Giant Talk, um, the world's first OKR podcast in partnership with CoAm. And welcome to today's live session. As you can probably tell, I'm not Lawrence. Um, <laughs> Lawrence is currently working with a client that we both at Derby Giants work with and the guys over at CoAm work with as well, called Sunfolding. Unfortunately, if we weren't in these current circumstances, Lawrence would have been in the beautiful city of San Francisco helping this client. But unfortunately, he's delivering remotely, but obviously keeping the project going and kicking on during these times. So today you've got me as your host and I'm Jenny. Um, But before we kick off on the topic about reflection as a high performance habit, we're just going to go through some introductions with our guest speakers. So I'm going to come to you first, Roger. If you can just explain a little bit about who you are and what Thereby Giants do.
1: Yes, indeed. Thank you very much, Jenny. Uh, so it's great to have you hosting today. By the way. Oh, um, thank you. <laughs> it's No problem. So yeah, I uh, I I'm I'm the chief giant at Thereby Giants. I established the business. Um, It will be uh, 10 years on the 16th of June. So we're we're coming up for a super special um, anniversary very soon. And um, yeah, we've been focusing specifically on OKRs for about the past five years. And um, we really love the work that we get to do with um, businesses that are really ambitious and keen to, uh, uh, to, to, to manage their growth in particular. Uh, as, the, as they try to scale up so the growth doesn't uh, kind of run away with them. Um, so uh, businesses that are facing ever-increasing ple- complexity but uh, not wanting to become all bureaucratic and corporate in the process still want to remain agile. So, yeah, we do work. I mean, as, as you just said, we do work with clients all over the world. Lawrence is working with uh, clients in uh in San Francisco at the moment it's unfolding and we've got clients in New York. I've worked, worked with a client in South Africa today as well. So, you know, from our, from our little office here in Manchester, we actually have a, a huge reach all over the world.
0: <laughs> Great. Thanks, Roger. Um, I'll come to you next, Matt, if that's okay.
1: Yeah. Hi, this is
2: Matt Tucker. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Koan. Uh, we, uh, our software company, we create a very simple and uh, easy to use product around helping to manage your goals and OKRs uh, in a better way. I'm particularly thrilled about the uh, topic today because one of the core um, behaviors in Coon is this idea of doing regular reflections as a team. So excited to, to dig into all of that. Um, and we, as always, love, love working with you guys and uh, creating content together like these live podcasts uh, as well as doing uh, fantastic work together helping out customers.
3: So,
2: glad to be here again.
0: Likewise. Perfect. Thanks, and, Matt. And Scott?
3: Yeah. The uh, co-founder of Cohen, uh, also head up all our go-to-market operations. Um, been with the company for about a year and a half now and thrilled to be on the podcast and, uh, as always, working with TBG.
0: Great. Thanks, guys. OK, well, that's great to hear who you are and what you're kind of doing and who you're working with. But today's topic is all about reflection and using that as a key for, um, uh, for high performance. So today I want to dive straight in and talk about the different styles of reflection. So if Roger, I can come to you first and we can talk to you maybe what personal reflections are.
1: Yeah, so the the art of, dare I say, personal reflection is something which often gets uh, lost uh, lost in the uh, uh, in in the tidal wave that most of us are greeted with every single morning um, when we arrive at our at our desks, whether that be at home or that be in the office. Um, and that usually takes the form of emails and such like everything that's grabbing our attention. And the thing is. If we find ourselves giving into that and and become managed by it, we find ourselves reacting to it. And that leads to the type of thinking, which is, as, as I just said, reactive, um, which is ten, tends to be fast and in, 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 instinctive. And in some respects, that might be a good thing. If certainly, if you're driving a car, you don't want to think too, for too long. to so whether you're going to stop for that red light or not, you want to just do it. But then there are perhaps more important um, uh, things like you know planning your work, planning how you're going to lead your team, um, uh, considering strategy, those sorts of things, which are best not done in a reactive way. They're best done in a in a in a more measured uh, and as Daniel Kahneman, uh, who who pioneered the uh, uh, the terms slow and fast thinking, he would certainly term this as slow thinking. So this is slow and very deliberate thinking, and that is where reflection, reflected practice, comes, comes in. And I've I've worked with you know, have uh, um, with with uh, leaders of organisations of many sizes and shapes, and for the most successful ones, uh, reflective practice is a is a habit that they uh, very are very protective over, and they will make sure that they carve time out. Uh, some even on a daily basis to do it Um, so it is considered to be a high performance habit a high performance discipline so it just makes sure that like I said you're not not reacting all the time that you are taking time to 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 consciously think and create what it is that you need to to work towards
0: great so that's it for a reflection from a personal point of view but Matt and Scott what about a team point of view
2: Yeah, on the the idea of a a team reflection, um, one of the early interviews um, as we were starting on and uh, talking to executives and trying to understand some best practices we set out to build the software, um, chatted with a senior director of operations, and the way she framed it uh, I really liked, which was... And she had a practice of reflections that she had her team do of of senior managers. And the way she put it was, uh, look, I expect you to spend 39 and a half hours every week in your business. I just want you to spend a half an hour every week on your business. And that needs to be the opportunity where you think about, are we working on the right stuff? Did we make as much progress as we want to? Uh, What have we learned about the strategic um, and whether we're achieving our strategic objectives? And then, importantly, how do I communicate this out to the rest of the team? Uh, There is, of course, a uh, a kind of old school uh, idea uh, of doing status reporting, which is simply what what are all the things that have happened? Uh, We're a really big fan of taking, um, essentially, status reporting and making it a, a little bit of a deeper practice where... It's not just about um, what got done, but also about, did we get the right things done? And do we need to adjust our priorities? And even is there an opportunity to build some empathy and a deeper set of connection with the rest of the team? Um, So it's very similar to what you might do with a personal reflection. Uh, But the context is, hey, I'm sharing information with the rest of the team. And we're trying to go through a little bit of a process of, you know, are we working on the right things as a team, and um, let's check in on the, the bigger strategic topics as well.
0: Great, yeah, thanks. I can Sorry, go ahead and Scott. chime in that if you don't mind. Yeah,
3: I'll uh, I'll jump in. Yeah, to um, add on to what what Matt said, you know, we, what we found uh, when working with our clients, and obviously we we support the reflection process within Cohen, so we get a lot of feedback on that and the benefits that our clients uh, you know obtain as a, as a part of doing regular reflections. I think I'll actually start on some of the the challenges that people have incorporating this into their. Their business operating rhythm can be really just how do I find the time, right? If it's not a part of the, the current process today, uh, allocating the appropriate amount of time to have those deep discussions um, can f- seem like it's um, just an additive thing to do to the, the work week uh, or work month or how you know whatever cadence you choose to pursue with it. Um, but it, you know, obviously, it, it, consistency is key. So if you make it a part of the process, and people can anticipate and uh, be sure that they they know that there is a, a rhythm around the the reflection, so that their voice is going to be heard, they're going to learn from their co coworkers, that is is the best way to go. And it can feel like I say, it, you know, challenging to kind of incorporate it into that operating rhythm, just because everybody's so busy, especially in these. Kind of crazy days that we're in today, but carving out that time is super important. Um, some of the other challenges that we, you know, have heard, and you know, certainly we hope throughout the, the platform it kind of helps cut through some of this. But you know, the culture has to be accommodating to reflections as well, um, and that's in the sense of you know, don't shoot the messenger. Make sure that everybody can be candid during the process. Um, don't feel like people are going to be penalized for sharing, you know, concerns or criticisms or what have you. And obviously, you want to have healthy conversations and create a healthy environment for those conversations. But, you know, adopting a culture of transparency is is super important in order to be able to adopt the practice well, I would say. And then, um, oh, go ahead.
1: I was just going to say, that's really interesting you say that, Scott, because, Only just this morning I was um, training up some OKR coaches in South Africa and uh, a very, very large focus of the work that we were doing was about what what they could do to help foster a sense of psychological security for Mm -hmm. the teams that they are going to be working with. Because to to be transparent, to be open and honest – Sometimes takes courage if it's especially if it's going to be bad news which needs to be uh needs to be discussed um and uh yeah it is an absolute tenant of um of okrs that uh uh when you're doing something practical like for instance recording confidence levels you know you need people to be truthful so that that confidence data is is is, is robust otherwise it's mm. not worth it so, yeah, a really, really important point there. yeah, absolutely. absolutely,
0: yeah
1: and I think
3: um, you know again, kind of I don't want to harp on it too much, but the consistency is key. so if these are kind of random reflections that you do occasionally in um, you know four, six weeks, eight weeks just based on current environment or if it's just a firefight that you need to kind of gather the team around and, and reflect on the last couple of weeks if, if it's inconsistent. Then what you wind up having typically is just the loudest loudest voice in the room uh, dominates the conversation. But if you have a consistent, you know, kind of rhythm to it, then everybody, you know, depending on their personality, of course, and we all know that different personalities are more vo- vocal than others. But if you have a consistent rhythm around it, then it encourages everyone within the organization to share their their ideas and, and concepts. Um, and learn from each other, right? So the benefits obviously is you're learning, you're improving, um, you're uncovering the good and identifying potential blockers to business objectives so that you can get in front of issues before they become real problems for your business. Um, Adaptation is key, especially I don't wanna use all the the typical words that are used to kind of describe our our current environment. that you know obviously is challenging but what we found is the reflection process for our clients has helped them be agile uh, everybody's having to change and adopt uh, adapt to the the changing environment out there and change their business objectives modify their goals in order to be effective and ensure that the team is is focused on the right things and you know, there's a there's a litany, I guess, of I get, I've got a whole list of all the benefits of uh, of the insights and employee satisfaction, you know, surveys that are done that that prove that a reflection process is a great way to go. But uh, we can't uh, emphasize it enough, of course.
0: Absolutely, Scott. And I think you spoke about learnings there and modifying. And I'm guessing, Roger, that's where the ret- retrospective comes
1: in. Yeah, very much so. Which is the third type of uh, of reflection, and this is more a retrospective. For, certainly, in terms of how we define it and use it in our in our methodology, we encourage our clients to typically on a quarterly basis look back at the process, not necessarily at what they achieved, because they should be looking at that on a regular basis through uh, uh, through through the, the the check-ins which they use to 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 uh, to track progress with OKRs. But they look at how the how the process of using OKRs is working for them and what they could do to further refine the refine it and develop it. So it's it's applying um, reflective practice to a way of working rather than an individual or a or a collect, a collected team. So it, it just goes to show that obviously reflective practice can be applied in in, in a number of different ways.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think. Um... That's a really great point. I think just want to shift the conversation slightly now and kind of apply it to a real life situation for people as well. So, Roger, how have you seen these, used, these reflection types used to great effect in sport? And I know you're going to reflect on kind of personal experience for this one for us.
1: Well, I, I am um, and I do have and it's not just from competing, but I do have a, a little bit of professional insight in this because I am a, a, a qualified rowing coach. Uh, and I used to coach athletics a, a long time ago, in fact. But the coaching principles are pretty much the same um, in that, um, you know, if you want a team, particularly if you want a rowing a, a rowing crew to to improve, um, it's vital that you reflect on the performance each time that you come in off the water. And that's not about waiting until the next time you're together. You need to do it as soon as you put the boat on the rack. Was the thinking still fresh? Was the uh, the experience is still bright in the mind? Uh, and yeah, yeah, that's that's when it's 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 most uh, it's most productive to to do that reflective practice. And that's how teams improve. That's how that. And also, you can do it at an individual level because obviously, there's individual skill that's involved. It's not just how the teams form. Um, but as as a coach, you used to, I used to do it on a uh, on on a week or fortnightly basis with with individual athletes. But every single time, every single time we came in off the water, we always reflected as a team, always reflected as a group, um, and that was just it was just habit. It just happened. Great thing was it happened without me without me leading it, uh, and I know it happened without me even being there. So it was a it was a, it was a really strong discipline that the team had. Yeah, and Roger, it sounds like
0: something that was natural to them as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was, it was. Roger, I was going to ask you, you know, getting back
2: to Scott's point around, um, you know, the reflection process being one where you have to have, uh, and what we talked about, that feeling of safety, but also, um, you know, a, a opportunity for clear, honest feedback. What are some of the tips that you found, uh, even for, you know, as a and the rowing context how do you get the the team to actually share with one another the real honest feedback about what went well and what didn't go well even with one another
1: well it starts before the you have the check-ins before you have those uh reflective conversations uh, to be honest matt you have to get the ground rules established um and get everybody signed up to those ground rules uh so uh, typically if you want open and honest conversations that's about you know nothing's off the table uh, uh, ev- every point is a valid point and should be said 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 with uh, and uh, with respect and, and 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 taken appropriately and so on and so forth that we were, we're uh, and and to, again to go back to that rowing example everybody was United behind a, a very very clear common goal, which was to win races, <laughs> um, and there was no confusion about that. And I, th- I don't think it's any it, it, it's any coincidence that teams uh, work really really well when they're united behind a common goal, which obviously in in our context can be defined as an OKR. And this is where we find not just people that are used to being a team, but also new teams that might be formed from, from various different cross-function, from various different functions to create a cross-functional team can really leverage the power of an OKR to give them that single single point of focus. And that shared goal can be very, very powerful in, 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 in gaining their commitment. And like I say, if you combine that with uh, the ground rules, establishing the ground rules first of all, um, then you're off to a good start. You're off to a good start.
0: Okay, great. So, well, that's in the context of sport, and it sounds pretty similar that it, it would be the same in business. But, So, does that translate into business exactly the same way? Uh,
1: I'll go ahead and tackle one. that. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> oh, if you
3: like. Okay. I wasn't sure if that was directed at you or Matt, but um, you know, clearly um, we work with hundreds of clients around the globe that have implemented this type of process. And from an implementation from a business standpoint, I think you get a lot of similar benefits. And there are a lot of corollaries to the sporting world and, of course, um, the business world. Because uh, I think you touched on this, Roger, team is the thing, right? Teams are where the hard work happens, Um, very rarely within an organization of any scale is a strategic goal or initiative or if you're using OKRs and an OKR owned by a single individual and contributed to only by a single individual. And um, as such, you know, I think the reflection process is really kind of the core building block is team, right? There's only so you know, practically speaking, uh, you don't want teams of more than 10 or 15, perhaps, that are that are doing the reflection process on a regular basis. And Roger, maybe you, you can correct me if I'm wrong. Obviously, you're on the ground with clients a lot more often than I am. But um, there's only so much amount of information that a team can garner. And if everyone is doing a, a weekly reflection or a biweekly reflection, that's just a lot of information to consume on a regular basis. So... The team is the thing, right? The teams teams are the ones that achieve the, the hard goals. And if you implement the reflection process appropriately appropriately at that core building block within organizations, you wind up with a, a wealth of information that enables not only individuals to share their knowledge across the, the various different team members and learn from the other team members, but it gives leadership uh, a very consistent way in which to monitor the health of goals, the health of um, the team overall, right? You know, what is their sentiment? What are they, you know, it, it, how is my team morale doing? If, if reflections are associated directly with goals, then you can start to track uh, actually, you know, basically the team health as a metric uh, u- using Koan specifically. But of course, if you're not using Koan and just using it manually, you're going to get a sense for over the course of time, how that team is performing. And naturally, as a result of having better information, more timely, regular information fed to leaders, that's gonna give them the information they need to make the right decisions, right? Make the right pivots or changes to the direction or strategy uh, in order to overcome obstacles. Um, And it's also a great vehicle for leaders to reward success. you know, I think we usually speak about this in the context of identifying problems in the business and getting in front of it, and obviously that's one of the huge benefits. But through the reflection process, especially in the business, and I would imagine sport as well, is that you you need to incorporate not only a, okay, we're just we're here to fight fires. This is also an opportunity to recognize top performers in the team as well
0: great thanks scott um we just had a, actually had a question in live from daniel so i'll put po- i'll point this one to roger first and then open it up to you guys but how do you distinguish a regular okr check-in so a weekly check-in from the time when you actually reset okrs so obviously if you reset set your okrs quarterly so i'll put that to you first roger
1: okay he's just added another question i've just noticed and I, I'm, I'm wondering if that's actually an expansion on the one that you've just asked yeah um, so but- yeah I, yes <laughs> <laughs> oh real time real time
0: <laughs> okay. so yeah so dan like daniel's just added yeah. how does the reflection process vary in these situations
1: okay so um my uh my thoughts on that are that the the reflections that work best in in the check-ins uh like you say which which happen uh weekly sometimes fortnightly should be uh really focused on what is being done to actually uh, move the OKRs forward? What's being done to, to 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 get traction? And also, where where is it that there are blockers, and what can we do to remove those blockers? And perhaps, what could we have done to preempt those blockers so that there wouldn't have been a, an issue in the first place? So, you know, there's 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 there's, there's action to address issues, but there's also Uh, thought being given to what could we do to actually stop them being issues in the future reoccurring so I would say it's it's a bit more tactical in focus I would say Um, and then uh, at at quarter end well that's that's a great opportunity like I said earlier to do a retrospective on the process uh, in particular as to how OKRs are working for you how you're using them where you're using them um, and then, uh, yeah, I think that in terms of in, in terms of it being um, the, the, the tactical reflections, I would say yes, keep those in the check-ins. But then, kind of move it up a level and look at the re- reflections on the, on the process of using OKRs on a quarterly level.
0: Matt, anything to add to that?
2: Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with all of that. And um, we we often think about it as uh, just the cadence, so daily cadence um, the daily habit is usually just one of situational awareness between the team. What are we all working on tactically? What's blocking us? Uh, Where do we need help? The weekly cadence, um, as Roger mentioned, that's where you really get to connect the tactical world to the strategic world. So have all the things that we've been working on this week actually added up to make impact on the goals that we've set out as a team? And then what do we need to do uh, if we didn't make as much impact as we wanted to, or if things are blocking progress so that next week we can do even better? Um, And then as you you go to the the longer cadences of reflection and quarterly um, and even uh, yearly, you can become more and more strategic and also think about uh, the process in
3: a, a deeper way.
0: Great. Thanks, Matt. Anything you'd like to add, Scott, or do you agree with Matt on that one?
3: Oh, i think i think it's all been covered thank
0: you no no worries at all so i think we've um thanks for the question daniel and if there's any more any questions that anyone else has feel please feel free to add some into the chat and we'll answer them as many as possible live um so moving on i think we've already kind of touched on this and obviously we spoke about some of the benefits but um scott why do you advocate that reflection is such a vital part of okr practice um
3: hmm, that's a uh a good one. I, it, what we do, of course, in our platform is combine the reflection with the rating and ranking of the OKRs that that individual is responsible for. So um, I don't want to harp on our product too much, but you know, obviously we've got a fairly opinionated way in which we've, we've implemented OKRs and incorporated the reflection into the OKR process. And that's one of the key differentiators we offer in the marketplace. And one of the, the key values that organizations have found is that by combining that reflection, which is really more, uh, you know, non-metric related? Uh, what do you call it? Um, qualitative type information, right? Where it's not really measurable. It's it, the reflection is is really around. You know, where did you get done today, or the you know, the previous week? What are your plans for the following week? What should the, uh, what, uh, concerns the team be aware of um, going forward into the following week. Uh, and then we combine that with the, a regular cadence where every user is prompted to give a confidence score and or update the metric associated with any key results that they either lead or contribute to. So by incorporating not only the, a, a weekly reflection habit where everybody is reminded via Slack or email to go in and complete their reflection, Combining that with the regular cadence of OKR ratings um, and a, a weekly summary, you get a number of different benefits. You get within the platform, once those reflections are shared, then people within that team can see each other's reflection and obviously get all the benefits out of the reflection in an asynchronous way, right? So uh, I'll come back back to that in a second. But also by having the OKRs updated on regular cadence, you can actually trust the scores. You can trust the data, you can trust the metrics and associated confidence levels with the key results because you've got a very consistent way in which to update that information. As we all know, garbage in, garbage out, right? If you've if you got an OKR process and brilliantly written OKRs, um, but if you don't have a regular cadence for updating that information, and giving leaders within the organization the information they need to make the right decisions, then the information will be mistrusted and ignored, right? And so you lose all the benefits. And one of the things I also wanted to highlight is that you know, in, in this kind of new era of work, where remote uh, employees and geographically diverse employees is just you know, that that move towards uh, remote work is just accelerated dramatically, obviously, over the last mm-hmm. three months. And so. I don't think we really talked about this earlier, but the reflection process doesn't have to be live, right? In other words, it's actually probably more beneficial to have it as an asynchronous component to how your teams operate. And by having, you know, within the co-on platform, by having a, a dedicated place for constructive um, you know, collaboration around reflections and sharing of information, rather than just having the kind of the chaos of email and Slack, uh, you get a, a tremendous amount of benefits as well. And, you know, we, we definitely see, and we, we've heard from our clients is that reflection process, they're leaning on it much more heavily in the last couple of months because of the remote work aspect, because of the geographically diverse nature of organizations today. Uh, they they depend on that as a, a core component to their communications.
1: Yeah, I'd, I'd really I'd really echo that as well. To be honest with you, Scott, um, I think the reflection process um, is a really important way of still keeping teams connected and uh, keeping them um, keeping them aligned. And you mentioned earlier about checking in on the health of the team. Um, that's even more. Uh, important and even more vital to do when the team isn't all in the same office because you're not able to kind of pick up on the on, on, on the subtleties that you might observe on a day-to-day basis when you're all there in the same location. So, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more on that point, definitely. Absolutely.
0: Great. Thanks, both. I think kind of linking to this, we just had a question in from Jill um, and she's asked whether um, if key team members were to move on or leave the company... Would you bring in a new member mid-quarter or wait? And she's thinking about the dynamics within the team. So obviously you share reflections and you, share, you have check-ins to keep an eye on the dynamics within the team. So what would your advice be on this? And I'll probably come to you first, Roger, on that one.
1: Um, I think, uh, I mean, in an ideal world, yeah, you'd want them to join at the beginning of a cycle, at the beginning of a quarter. Um, but that's not always perfect. And not as not always possible. So I I think you know as a manager you have to make a judgment on this. Um, and if if it's if it's going to be too much of a disturbance to the dynamic of the team, then I would say, hmm, is the dynamic a little bit too fragile? Um, you know, if a team can't embrace somebody who's new um, and who's coming on board to contribute and own a you know the. Portion of an OKR that has been perhaps left unsupported and needs somebody new, then I would say you know it's kind of reasonable to expect the team to to embrace them and and support them and get them up to speed. So you know I I don't I don't think it's such a bad thing them coming in part way through to be honest.
0: Great Matt, anything to add to that one? I'm guessing that's where the check-ins have become really uh, worthwhile.
2: Yeah, no, I, I definitely. Uh, most team dynamics. I would expect that if the person's joining the team and they're going to start attending staff meetings, you want to find some way of uh, incorporating them into the reflection process. And maybe it's uh, they're not going to have as big of a voice on your goals or OKRs, for example. Um, you know, they they might not have enough context to know uh, what's happening there and uh, be sharing that. But their observations about team dynamics and you know, what they're working on and uh, getting feedback as they're coming up to speed, and you know, there there's some natural ways to incorporate them into that broader reflection process, even if the impact they're having on the strategic portion of it is you know a little smaller uh, to start. but by also giving them visibility into how the team works and the positive habits that they form. Um, mid-cycle, you know, when it's time for them to then take on a bigger responsibility and you set new goals for the next quarter, they're going to know those habits, they're part of the team and they're ready to start contributing in a deeper way.
0: Great. Thanks, Matt. Um, so I kind of want to move on to talk to Matt and Scott more about why you chose to make Reflection such a prominent part of Koan. And I think we've probably already touched on this. Um, but yeah, if you could expand on that, that would be really useful.
2: Yeah, and really it came from that we were lucky enough um, at the beginning of the company to have a long period for some deep research, uh, which really meant uh, a couple of things. One was interviewing executives and teams all around the world and trying to find what are the best practices, and then also digging in and trying to figure out what does the academic research say around what are great habits. And there's just this really clear pattern of high-performance um, teams and companies where this idea of having really strong competencies around a cadence uh, and formal processes around it um, you know, was basically critical. Um, and you know, the, the very simple structure, as Scott mentioned, you know, often comes down to uh, just this regular check-in of what's the progress that we made uh, and what, what are the priorities um, that we have coming up, and what are the problems or blockers, um, so PPP style. And so that was a, a pattern that we saw really often. Um, but then, you know, really high performance teams you know, would even go a little bit further than that and connect that regular cadence to checking in on their goals. And so that's really where this idea was born was, hey, what if we could take those very manual processes, things that are being done in Google Docs and in Evernotes, and a whole host of, of other practices, and you know, whether you use a, a dedicated platform like Ko-On or you know, you're going to cobble something together yourself, please uh, please do the reflections one way or the other, because um, that was a really huge takeaway, was um, and this was a uh, just key tactic for not only really high-performing teams in business, uh, but as, as Roger mentioned, also in sport. Um, one other quick thing to add to that is um, another idea that we t- had talked about, which was the idea of psychological safety uh, inside of teams. And there's a lot of amazing research around you know, if we feel like we can trust one another and that we have safety to be vulnerable with one another, that's when we can do our best work as a team. And you know, I think that would be a, a huge thing I, would, I try to encourage around the reflection process is Can you use it as a way to build some more team empathy and psychological safety, so that you actually can have really honest conversations with one another and give great feedback when you're talking about the the outcomes uh, that you're trying to achieve. And and one really simple way to do that as part of a reflection process is just to insert um, a a question every week that lets the team get a little bit more real with one another. Uh, It might be an icebreaker style question, it might be something about your personal lives, Uh, but it turns out that if you mix in a little bit of the personal with business, uh, you get a much better business result too.
0: Yeah, and I think just to add to that, I think especially at the moment, going back to what Scott said, a lot of us are working from home and working remotely. So I think if you can add in those sort of personal elements as well, you, the trust that it becomes a lot more transparent between the team. Um so no, that's a really great point, Matt. Thanks. Um so obviously, Roger, we know the team the Koan um programme really well. We obviously use it with some clients and we use it ourselves. So I just wanted to ask you, um, the reflections feature in Coan, how has that allowed your clients to grow more successfully with their OKR practice?
1: Uh, well, I mean, without um, without wanting to sort of obviously sit here and provide a, a, a huge shout out to Koan, which of course I love to do, but obviously we're not here to do do adverts. But I mean, there is there's there's a very you, you I mean, you've heard from what I've said how much of a fan I am how much of a believer I am in reflective practice with and without a system to support it. So when um, when we uh, came across Coan and realized that reflective practice is central to it, that's when I just thought it, it's so closely aligned to our methodology that it just makes it, it just you know it is just a no brainer. So uh, and and. You know, as as I've said before, it it, reflective practice is a high performance habit, and this is what we've seen. The teams that in 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 our our clients' businesses really we've seen them it's seen it help them shift into well, really shift up a gear um, for existing teams, and it's also helped new teams that have had to form very quickly, perhaps because they're cross functional and they. They form just for the for the duration of, a, of, of, of an objective. Um, then it, it helps them actually form uh, quicker than they would do without it. So, yeah, I mean the the the, the reflective function is, is really important. And then as you know, as it's already been said, given that a lot of teams are are remote and distributed at the moment, there's there's another layer of a benefit which I believe. Um, Having the uh, uh, the reflections uh, in place really helps with because it helps it helps the person that's leading the team have a uh, have a, a really good frequent check as to how things are going. Um, w- uh, in addition to obviously the conversations which one would hope they're having, um, but it also it, it enables everybody else to see how everybody else is doing um, because the reflections are shared across the team. So. Uh, yeah, I think there's 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 plenty of benefits, and that's how we've seen that those those are the immediate impacts that we've seen within the teams that uh, that um, uh, we've used it with.
0: Absolutely, and I think. Um opening this up to you, Scott and Matt, really, I think, I guess you've got a whole raft of kind of client stories you could share about where the systems helped your clients to grow their OKR practice. But if you've got any specific examples of where your clients have used reflections to grow their OKR practice, that would be um, really beneficial, I think, to share with our audience.
3: Yeah, Matt, Matt unless you want to jump in, I'll, I'll go ahead and take the first one. Um, one of the clients that we have is a company called New Relic. It's a, a large engineering uh, or software engineering organization, um, public company, actually, based out of uh, both Portland and the Bay Area. And they, um was kind of an interesting way in which they adopted uh, Reflections and then OKRs. So they, they came in to really help uh, initially kind of land, if you will, with about 25 or 30 users within a, a relatively small part of the engineering organization and started sharing their you know reflections primarily they weren't using OKRs at all and they, they obtained the, the biggest benefit obviously by not using OKRs out of, out of the reflection process and they, they found it facilitated especially geographically with you know diverse organization facilitated that team communication and collaboration that they just were lacking um if you you know, like any company that has grown incredibly quickly and been very successful, it it oftentimes feels like organized chaos, right? Where you've got a great product and you continue to hit sales numbers and grow the organization. You're, you know, at the end of a period, the end of a year, and a quarter, you you feel good, but it also feels a little unnerving because you're not quite sure how you got there and whether or not you can repeat it. And when the this in a small part of the engineering organization adopted the practice. They they just they they found that that team really started performing. those actually actually three teams started performing very very well and had higher levels of employee satisfaction and were achieving their goals, even though they weren't you know tackling OKRs at that that point on a much more regular basis. And what the rest of the organization started to observe that and say, we want more of that, right? Um, So we've we've grown very dramatically within the engineering uh, organization at New Relic and product management. And uh, they have started layering in more of the OKR process into the reflection. And they just, uh, you know, to, to hear it from their own words, it just, it helps eliminate this kind of air of organized chaos and helps them, you know, get the information signal they need in order to make the right decision decisions as leaders and, and pivot the business accordingly to the, the current situation. And um, it was just a, it was a, a communication gap. You know they had slack, they had email, they had shared documents, they had confluence, they had all the different tools at their disposal. Um, and yet none of those were structured enough to really enable them to get the information they needed um, on a regular basis. And so that's that's just you know one of the the great examples that we've seen. And, and, and yes, they're using the OKR methodology. Yes, they they have really adopted it and love that. But I would even say to this day that they they find more value out of the reflection process um, outside of the OKRs, or maybe equal to the OKR you know methodology itself. Right, Matt, do you have another good customer story to share? To share?
2: Yeah, a few stories to share and. Um, and maybe just uh, you know, stating that the obvious thing uh, you know, as part of the, the context of this whole conversation and in previous podcasts together and in some content we've written together, uh, we all talk about how one of the biggest fail cases around OKRs is uh, this idea of set and forget. Um, so you get together, there's all this energy put into uh, crafting your goals, and then nobody talks about them again for the rest of the quarter, and you don't have a cadence, Uh, of of checking on them and and, uh, knowing whether there's progress. And therefore, the goals really don't change the behavior of the team. And ultimately, that's a lot of uh, what we're looking for out of this reflective process, is uh, by forming these positive habits, by regularly checking in on progress, um, you avoid uh, set and forget, and uh, the goals uh, become much more attainable, and they actually affect the behavior of the team. Um, some of my my favorite customer uh, stories and, and journeys we've seen, um, uh, we've had examples where people started with the reflective process, and that's led them to uh, more officially uh, embracing goals and OKRs. Because uh, it turns out, you know, if you're having regular um, conversations around the strategic outcomes that you're trying to achieve, that you you take those strategic outcomes more seriously. Um, and then uh, one thing that we, we really love seeing is when teams take this idea of a reflective process but then really tailor it to work well um, for their own use case. And so SurveyMonkey across customer success uses Co-on uh, as an example. And one thing that they've customized, uh, they've added a, a custom question as part of their reflective process, um, which is you know, what are some important customer stories from the week? And just sharing those customer stories with one another and giving that visibility is uh, a really amazing way um, to you know, make the reflective process uh, suited well for them. Uh, we've had another team uh, a large company where uh, it sounds a little bit weird, uh, but every week they really like to share with one another um, you know, the progress that they're making around their exercise commitments. Um, definitely nothing that uh, we'd recommend out of the box, <laughs> this idea of, you know, Making the reflective process really fit the culture of your team and be the opportunity for deeper connection between team members, you know, whatever works. Um, that's gonna actually have outsized impact on your OKR process too.
0: Great. Thanks, Matt. I'm not sure we'll be taking on the exercise one straight away, but it's a good idea. (laughs) Um, So obviously we've discussed reflections throughout the session and we've kind of talked about the benefits. So for our listeners, what reflections do you advocate that they should start to do personally? And I'll come to Roger first on that one.
1: Oh, personal reflections. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I mean, this is, like I said, you know, right at the, uh, the beginning, this is about having the discipline just to slow our thinking down a little bit and make it a little bit more intentional than reactive. Um, So the first thing I would say is actually put some time in for this. It doesn't necessarily, I mean, if you can, if you can manage to do it every day, then fantastic. You'll certainly see the benefit from it. But if you can only manage to find some time once a week to do it, that's a start. That is a start. If you're not doing it at all at the moment. Um, And, i would i would choose make yourself a little agenda make you know put yourself a little list of things which perhaps you've been trying to grapple with for a while but actually you just want to have some intentional thinking time and there is absolutely nothing wrong with this one of the things that i learned when i um, progressed up to senior roles in organizations was that I used to be quite. Uh, I was uh, previously. I'd been in in management positions that where I was I was running operations that that, that had very st- strict sort of uh, daily targets to meet and so on and so forth. And so therefore, it was all about what you needed to do to ship it. Just do whatever it took to ship it. Ship it. Ship it. Ship it. Ship it right. And then uh, as, as 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 my as I moved into more strategic roles. I had to adjust as I slowed down my decision-making, but that kind of felt like I wasn't doing my job as effectively. Mm. But actually, it's what is what was required. That was all part of my growth. So, yeah, I would say uh, take the time to pick out one or two things which you have been um, grappling with and perhaps haven't quite worked through. Uh, give yourself some intentional thinking time where you – you know make sure that the phones on silent and that you you know you switch your outlook off and um uh, and go and put yourself somewhere where away from your desk as well because thinking time at your desk isn't the, <laughs> isn't the greatest place to be because the the environment can make a big difference it can free up your thinking if you're actually somewhere else other than the place where you do most of your reacting yeah, if that makes sense.
0: Absolutely. I think as well, if you say, like you say, when you sit at your desk, I think there's so many distractions as well. You don't actually have that clear space in your mind do you, to reflect. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Scott, I'll come to you on that one as well next, if you don't mind. So, what um, reflections would you advocate that our listeners to pick up personally?
3: You know what? I, I don't want to do this, but I think I'll punt it over to Matt because I, I think he's, he's definitely much more of a, a reflection expert, especially on the, the personal side. Um, where i primarily engage in the reflection process in a, in a business context at the team level or company level. Sure, Matt. So like, uh, yeah, the, I, I like what,
2: what Roger said. I think um, you know, there's a lot of different uh, specific methodologies out there that um, you know, listeners might look at for personal reflections, and I, I'm a fan of there their being um, some lightweight structure um, so you know, it might be, you know, hey, every week I'm going to review what I thought I wanted to get done um, versus um, you know, what I did actually get done. Uh, there's another really great practice of just reviewing how your time was spent um, and you know, making some choices about, well, did I want to be in that many meetings? Um, did I want to spend uh, time um, on you know, topic X or Y? And, especially as you have become uh, an executive in your career and um, where you're spending your time. You know, there's always massively more demands and more meetings you could be joining. Uh, so I'm a huge fan of um, this, with this idea of personal reflection, uh, thinking deeply about um, where do I want to spend time and what choices and changes can I make to spend my time differently.
0: So I think there's some really good tips for our listeners there on personal reflections, but how can managers encourage the practice of reflect reflections within their team? So bringing them to a team reflection rather than personally. And I'll yeah. put that to you, Scott, first. Thanks.
3: Um, well, I think the, the default answers require it, uh, of course. Um, I don't think, obviously, that that uh, leads to long-term success. But, you know, being... Just like with any change to a business process, you have to be very deliberate about it, communicate why you want to implement this type of, of new process to the organization, the benefits that everyone will get as a result, and then you know implement it and then you know hopefully what'll happen, if, if it's done correctly, the teams will start to, to realize the value and really gravitate towards it and it'll kind of grow in use across the organization. Um, I don't want to overuse the word reflect, but you know, I think, I think uh, with any new business process as well, you need to reflect on the reflection process, right? You need to make sure it's efficient. I, I think, as I mentioned earlier, one of the, the biggest hesitations on the part of organizations is to layer in yet another reporting process. Um, and it can be perceived as bureaucratic and overbearing or, I don't know, even micromanaging um, and you know, obviously, we've talked about all the benefits from a collaboration standpoint and team information sharing and insights that that you know are you know definitely benefits the organization that you know achieves by doing that. But you know, communicating that to employees the first time around is going to be is going to be tough, and, we, and we've definitely encountered that with our clients as well. One of the things that I would recommend to managers as well is, in, in that context, is really making sure it's streamlined, right? Don't ask people to write books. Don't ask, you know, don't ask for anyone to spend, you know, maybe more than a half an hour a week uh, completing a weekly reflection. Uh, because, you, you know, and, and ideally speaking, people should do it in, in 15 minutes or 20 minutes. Um, in the on platform, we've made it very efficient just by templatizing it, and prompting the user with information they provided you with before, and, all sorts of things. So we we aid in that process of of efficiency uh, via the platform. But if you're not doing it within a platform, I would say that just make sure it's discreet to start off with. You're very clear on what you want the reflection content to be because people can, you'll have various different employees that are are very verbose um, and they feel like they have to explain everything they got done that week or that bi-weekly cadence or what have you. Um, And you need to continually kind of reinforce the fact that the information shared as a part of the reflection shouldn't be everything you did. Um, and that's not going to, you know, increase their perceived value to the organization. It's what's important for the rest of the team and the management organization to know, right? That's, that's what should be included in the reflection. And, uh, if you, if you do that, then obviously that leads to efficiency. They don't have to write books or they don't feel compelled to write books every week. Um, and you and you get a very efficient process that's adopted more readily.
0: Great, thanks, Scott. And Roger, anything to add to that?
1: Um, no, the uh, not to add, just to just to uh, just to reinforce Scott's points about keeping it um, light touch, not making it into a bureaucratic process. Um, you want to, you don't want to be putting any barriers in the way to uh, to, to, to to being adopted if it's a new practice. Um, in fact, you want to try and integrate it as much as possible with what already happens, so you're not, it's not seen as something something more that you have to find time for because that really defeats the uh, the, the, the the purpose of the the objective of the exercise. So yeah, I, I, that that's the only thing that I would uh, I would just add to that.
0: Absolutely. Thank you. That's um, that's great. Um, so that kind of brings us to the end of our hour of live conversation. It's absolutely flown by. Um, but I just want to ask you for any final thoughts on reflections as a high performance habit. So I'll come to you first, Matt.
2: I, I think one of the just biggest takeaways um, for me and the reason I'm such a big believer is that the more I've done research on this topic um, and everything from kind of human philosophy to high performing teams in sports or in business, if you're not doing this practice, uh, you're not reaching your full potential. Um, And so find find the flavor of it that works for you. Um, But this is just a a critical part uh, from agile methodology and to to everything else. Uh, You need to be thinking about this process and finding ways to incorporate a a reflection uh, practice into your teams.
0: Perfect. Thanks, Matt. Scott, any last thoughts?
3: No, i think i think matt summarized it really really well it's uh it does it, at first it feels unnatural um and it's a change but if you do it and stick with it you're going to get tremendous results
0: great and roger
1: just do it to slow your thinking down because you think it will improve
0: perfect, perfect. Well, some great, really good points for our listeners to take away there. So thanks for a fantastic discussion, guys. Uh, and we hope everyone enjoyed today, today's episode of Giant Talk Live. If you did enjoy it, we'd love you to go to your favourite podcast provider of choice and leave us preferably a five-star review. Um, if you want to continue the conversation with any of the guys, obviously you can pop on to koan.co or And um, We look forward to uh, you joining us for our future episodes of Giant Talk. So stay safe and thanks for listening.